Well, good morning. God is good. Amen. Amen. If this is your first Sunday here at Christ the King, uh, we welcome you. I'm glad that you're here with us worshiping the one true living God. Um, and as Roger just shared, uh, we've got a new series here uh, titled Vital Signs. Where we'll be focusing on certain aspects of uh, being spiritually healthy and alive. Last week, Roger exhorted to us the importance of daily prayer within our lives and how essential it is if we are to be spiritually healthy. And so this morning, I'll exhort to you um, the importance of having gratitude unto God and how having a, a grateful heart unto God goes hand in hand with spiritual vitality. And so I want to begin this sermon with asking you a question. I'll ask it, and then I'll give you about 10 seconds to come up with some answers in your head. The question is simple. It is, what are you grateful for? I'll say it again. What are you grateful for? So think of some answers in your head. I'll give you a few seconds. All right. Well, I don't need you to say your words aloud, your answers aloud, whatever you came up with uh, in your head. But I imagine a few of the answers to that question in the room were family, um, health, maybe your job, financial stability, friends, uh, maybe your car or boat, if you're, if you're blessed, if you have a boat, or maybe even uh, your favorite team won the big game last night. Maybe that's what you're grateful for. <coughs> Excuse me. The reason why I share some of these answers is because that is exactly what LifeWay Research, a Christian organization, discovered in a recent study to the question of what are you thankful for? We see the same sort of answers when we're gathered around the table uh, with our loved ones during Thanksgiving when the question is asked, what are you thankful for? But that is for thankfulness, not gratefulness, which is what we'll be looking at today. There's a difference between the two words, um, and, it, and it's a stark difference, as we know, um, in the 21st century English that we speak today, um, because words evolve, their definitions evolve over time, the way that they're used, and so we'll be looking at that today. And according to uh, Merriam-Webster Dictionary, thankfulness is the feeling of being happy or grateful because of something, while gratefulness is an expression or exp expressing appreciation for benefits received. So as we can see, gratefulness goes much deeper, deeper than th thankfulness. You can be thankful for something, but you are grateful to something. Thankfulness is a simple feeling, yet gratefulness invokes an action from the heart. It is an outpouring of thankfulness that we do things with a heart full of, of, of gratitude. So to put in short, gratefulness goes well beyond where thankfulness ever could. To compare it in, in relative terms, gratefulness is to thankfulness to what uh, joy is to happiness or loving someone to just liking someone. There's a difference. Some examples would be you say thank you to your barista at Starbucks when he hands you your coffee. You say thank you to your mailman when he delivers uh, the mail. But you say I'm so grateful to you, to the midwife that delivers your baby, or to your spouse on your anniversary. There's a difference. There's a, there's a heart posture between the two. But church, please don't, don't, don't hear me wrong. Um, thank yous are good. They're not bad in nature. They're just generic. They're, they're simple. Gratefulness, on the other hand, has gravitas. You can't just throw that word around. Um, but I want to make something clear that <clears throat> in, in, in the English Standard Version translation of the Bible, the one that we use here, the word grateful is only used three times. Uh, we see all three times used in the New Testament. Um, 
twice in the negative connotation of the word of ungratefulness, uh, and only once do we see it in its true form of gratefulness in its positive uh, meaning in Hebrews 12, 28. And I'll read it for you. It says this. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. You can see why the word grateful was used here and not thankful. There's a difference. But the word thankfulness is, in its many literary forms, is used almost 200 times between the Old and the New Testament. The reason why I share this with you is because the way that the word thankfulness or thankful is used in the Bible is not how we use thankful today. Many of the times that it's used, we could implement or we could substitute it for the word grateful, the way how we use the word grateful today in our daily language, in our daily conversations. And so think about it. It would be silly of you if you were to say you were so grateful, or if you say to your mailman or the barista, I am so grateful for you. It's just, it's just different. It's, it's weird. It, 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 it doesn't fit. You say you are thankful to them. But we are grateful every single day to God for who he is and how great his faithfulness, how his love for us is steadfast and how his mercies for us are anew every morning. And so remember, we are thankful for our baristas and our mailmen, but we are grateful to our God. So back to the question of um, what are you grateful for? This this uh, understanding that we now have of gratefulness, <clears throat> how, can we la- excuse me. <clears throat> how can we relate it to our lives? Because it reveals the posture of our heart, your answers to that question, what are you grateful for? That's a, that, that's a way for us to see where our heart's intentions are. Just like an x-ray machine uh, takes an x-ray and we can see what's inside the body, so does the heart reveal the, the, the nature, the makeup, the, the posture of a person. Jesus says this in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if your answers to the question were, what are you grateful for? If your answers were something that is in this world, then let me ask you, where does God land on that list? Where does God land on that list? Now, of course, we would all say, well, surely I'm grateful to God. But if you're only grateful to God for the things in your life, then you are solely viewing God as a means of provision. You're reviewing God as the generator of all good things in your life. But friends, let me tell you, this reveals two things in your life. The first is an impure heart. The second is an incorrect view and understanding of God and who he is. These both lead to a diagnosis of not being spiritually healthy. Your vital signs look bleak. But do not lose hope. I will share with you today what scripture teaches us and how we can all be restored Uh, myself included, so that we can become spiritually healthy when we become um, guilty of this sin. And so what I'm exhorting to you today is that we must first have a gratitude unto God for who he is before we are grateful for the blessings that he has placed within our lives. Christian author Ann Voskamp puts it this way, gratitude gets at the very essence of what it means to be created, finite, fallen, redeemed, and sustained by the God of all grace. She goes on further to say that ingratitude was at the heart of the fall in the Garden of Eden. We know this because Paul wrote in Romans 1.21, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. So, beloved, are you just grateful for the blessings in your life? Or are you first and foremost grateful to your Lord and Savior for who he is before you're grateful for the blessings that he has given you? I don't just ask you those two questions. I ask myself. I ask myself that question uh, in the mirror this morning. 
And so as, as Christians, it is vital to our spiritual health that we daily show our gratitude to God for who he is before we show our gratitude to him for what he has blessed us with. Let me say this, a heart full of gratitude to God for who he is will keep us from idolizing all the blessings that he has given us. So what is the cure for when we fall into this sinful posture of the heart, this ingratitude? Well, like with every other sin, we must first repent of it. What I mean is we must repent for glorifying and idolizing the things in our life above glorifying him, the sovereign king of all, the great I am. After repentance, we must then earnestly pray by the power of the Holy Spirit for a change of heart because only he can do that. We cannot do it on our own. As Paul wrote in Romans, we must circumcise our hearts, meaning cut out the impurity from it. So what does it look like to be truly grateful to God? How does one live with a heart of gratitude unto God? The answer to those questions are in the Psalms that we read earlier, because they are a picture of just that. In Psalm 107, we read, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. From this psalm, we see that the Lord is good, that his love for us is steadfast, that he is our redeemer, and he gathers us unto himself. We cannot do that on our own. We can't come to him on our own accord. It is he who draws us to him. Then in Psalm 103, we read, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. If we were to take that first verse, bless the Lord, O my soul, and if we made that the beginning of all of our morning prayers, I can promise you and assure you that our hearts will grow tenfold in gratitude unto God for who he is, blessing the Lord with all that we have. We all know that the Lord is, is all of this, what we've read in both Psalms, and so much more. But we can use these qualities from these two Psalms to build a foundation for how we can grow in our gratitude unto God and also our understanding of who God is. And so this goes beyond a mere thankful heart. From these psalms, we see this is the kind of utter gratitude that will drop a person to their knees and shout, Hallelujah, praise be to God. Then we also read in our New, uh, New Testament passages, first in Colossians chapter 3, verse uh, 15 to 17. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which, you were indeed, uh, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We see here an outpouring of love and praise from a grateful heart. We also see how we're supposed to act in communion with one another. As the body of Christ, the church, how we're supposed to dwell in the word of Christ, spending time in scriptures and the word of God, because he speaks through it. As we know, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. We also see that the, the church 
when together are supposed to teach and admonish, admonish one another, which will lead to sanctification, making us more in the image of Christ. And then lastly, we see we're also supposed to sing psalms, hymns, um, and spiritual songs, lifting up our praises to the Lord. Notice, though, the way in which the words thanks and thankfulness is used in this passage of Scripture. How we're always supposed to do this when we come together, not because of the provisions of God, of what we're thankful for in our lives or grateful for. No, because we are grateful for who God is and his steadfast love for us, how he's never forsaken us. And then lastly, we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 to 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, if we were to reverse the two parts in this passage, it would read like this. The will in God, of God in Christ Jesus for us, for you, is that you rejoice always, that you pray without ceasing and give thanks to God in all circumstances. Friends, this is what it looks like to have a heart full of gratitude unto God, where you rejoice always. You're constantly praying and you're constantly giving thanks to God. You have a grateful heart. We're grateful. We're so grateful to God, as we should be, because as Psalm 23, verse 5 says, our cup runneth over. We are the cup, and who's pouring into us? Who's pouring into the cup? That's God. And so from the overflow of our cup, for our, uh, that love that's just being rained upon us, and also his mercy and his blessing and his, and his grace, we're supposed to impart that unto others. God loves us, and we're called to love him and also love others. And we do that from a grateful heart. And so with that, with that knowledge of what it means to have gratitude unto God, what the fruit of having a grateful heart unto God looks like, I have a dire but essential set of questions for us all, myself included, that stem from the question, what are you grateful for? And here they are. Church, what are you grateful for if all of your possessions are taken away? What are you grateful for if your health severely declines? What are you grateful for if your wealth vanishes? What are you grateful for if your job is eliminated? What are you grateful for if your house suddenly collapses? What are you grateful for if your children tragically die? I ask all these specific and and downright morbid questions because all of this is exactly what happened to Job in the Old Testament. Even though Job had done no wrong, he was an innocent man, God allowed Satan to destroy all of Job's materials, property, and even family as a spiritual test for Job. It was a spiritual test. But I want you to know what Job's response was to all of these tragedies. In Job chapter 1, verse 20 to 22, we read this. After all these tragedies that just happened, all the questions that I just asked you is what happened to Job. And this is, his, this is how he responds to it. He stands up and he tears his robe and he shaves his head and he falls to the ground and he worships saying, Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will leave this life. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Throughout all of this, Job did not sin or blame God for anything. Beloved, if, we, if, if God removed everything that you possess and you love in this world, will you still be grateful to him? I know the thought of even losing a, a, one loved one is unbearable. I know this. I, I won't downplay it. Yet if it does happen, is Jesus still Lord in your life? Because even if it does happen, let's say hypothetically it did happen, is God not still good and righteous and holy, whose mercies are new every morning and from whom all blessings flow? Our circumstances in life may change drastically and in an instant, but God never changes. God is constant. 
And from that knowledge of knowing of who God is, may our hearts be overflowing with gratitude unto him. Because even though we may forsake him, he will never stop chasing after us or forsake us. Even though we fail and fall into sin every single day, his love for us never ceases. And as John the Apostle teaches in 1 John 4, 16, God is love. Never forget that. Hold fast to it. Because from that love is how we have a heart full of gratitude unto God. And so I'll say again, what we are grateful for reveals the true nature of our hearts. So as we strive to be spiritually healthy and, and as the next few sermons over the weeks come through this series that we're in of spiritual uh, vitality, of having healthy, vital signs of our, of our hearts and our spirits, may we strive to be grateful to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who is the Alpha and the Omega, the creator and sustainer of all things. Let us be grateful that he chose us, that he forgives us, that he loves us more than we could ever imagine. And so if you don't know where to begin um, in your prayers of, of having a, a heart full of gratitude unto God or just or living a life full of, of gratefulness for God, begin with the name of Jesus. If you don't know his name, Jesus means the Lord is salvation. He is both our God and our means of salvation. Never forget that it is solely by Jesus, his work on the cross and our belief in him that we have obtained this eternal salvation. We have no part in all of our salvation. It's by our faith, but in his grace alone that we're even able to have faith and love him. And so may we forever be grateful, first for who God is, and then for the blessings that he's given us in our lives. Let me close this in prayer. Abba, Father, we are so grateful for who you are. Help us daily to grow in our gratitude unto you, our Heavenly Father. Before you, um, before we recognize the blessings that you've given us in our lives, may we just fall in love more and more with you every day. And Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, may you circumcise our hearts, cut out the impurity of sin from it, especially when we idolize the things that you've given us, possessions and even loved ones, things that we put in front of our love for you. May you be the first thing that we, that we just shout for praise for in the mornings, the first thing that we, that we praise in the morning when we come forward unto you, Lord. So, Lord, I pray all this in the name of Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who is far greater than anything that we could ever imagine. It's in your name we pray. Amen. And now, uh, may we all stand and recite together as the church has for centuries, proclaiming our faith in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
Please be seated. We enter now into a time of prayer, interceding to God on behalf of the church, the world, and our city. At various points, you will hear me say, Lord, in your mercy, please respond with, hear our prayer. As the hymns we sing echo the joy we feel today, as together we celebrate the glorious resurrection, may our Easter exhilaration continue throughout the rest of our lives and be manifest in the way we live and love. Lord, in your mercy. We pray for a world that increasingly recognizes Jesus as Lord and imagine how changed it could be, free from hatred and violence, from poverty and injustice, and place where all would live together in mercy, goodwill, and harmony, a foretaste of heaven here on earth. Lord, in your mercy. We pray for families, friends, and neighbors who have not yet recognized that Jesus died and rose again for everyone. Help them to see and realize the possibilities that accepting him into their lives will bring. Lord, in your mercy. Just as the stone of Christ's tomb was rolled away, so we ask, Lord, that you would roll away the stones of illness, despair, worry, and fear, and pour the light and joy of his 